It's longer time. Yay! Yay. Lager Time, Poems, Stories and Thoughts By me, Paul Cree Who else? Greetings, bonjour, what's happening? Welcome to Lager Time Episode number 37 Imagine that 37 37. Good bust that. The Putney to Peckham Express, as my mate Mickey T once called it. When I first moved to London, that was my bus. Good, solid, reliable. Today's offering, coincidentally, is another satellite story about going on a long bus journey to the promised land of Laser Quest in Kingston. It's not quite finished yet. So this is going to be a part one, so to speak, which would suggest there is some kind of drama, cliffhanger. There really isn't. With these stories, for me, it's not so much about the narrative, it's about the characters, the environments, the language, and the little moments of adolescence. Like the previous ones, it's based on genuine experiences. There's a fair amount of effing and jeffing, but that kind of casual, coarse profanity was how I remembered it. Makes me slightly nervous, but the truth prevails on all of that. Had a new video come out this week on Muddy Feet. It's very short. It's a verse from a song that I recorded a couple of years ago called Watson Pommelers. I'll put the link in the podcast feed for those that would like to see. I also got invited to join this social network site called Wisdom. I don't quite know how it all works, but if you're on there, come and say hello. Maybe together we can figure this thing out. Enjoy the cold. I like jumpers. Have a banging weekend. Paul. Satellite stories, satellite stories, satellite stories, the 405. Being a Hawley boy and Catholic meant that me and my siblings all went to school in neighbouring Crawley. So by the time I was old enough to get about on my own outside of school, I was forever travelling back and forth between the two towns, passing Gatwick in between. But it did mean by the time I was about 12, I could navigate public transport with the confidence of a daily commuter trudging to their job in London. Difference was, I enjoyed it. Most of the time. My mates rarely left Crawley, unless it was for a holiday or the odd kids party at the Croydon Water Palace. They had little reason to. For a sweaty, pubescent team, they had everything you needed. A mall, an arcade, girls... Woolworths and a whole bunch of newsagents where you could allegedly buy booze, fags and jazz mags. Why else would they leave? Hawley, on the other hand, was smaller and had a town centre seemingly filled with estate agents and charity shops. Though to be fair, it did have Pulse Records. But most of my mates weren't quite at the age yet to appreciate an independent music seller that sold white labels and 10p promo tapes that you could record over with rips from the Danny Ramplin and Tim Westwood shows on Radio 1. As we got older, 
and everyone got that bit more independent. Convincing my mates to step out of Crawley was hard. There needed to be a credible reason and ideally the person calling it on had to hold a bit of weight. I tried. Many times. But when Mo said his cousin's mate had been to Laser Quest in Kingston saying it was sick and that we should go, it was on. Everyone liked Mo. From the rude boys, to the wide boys, to the geeks, to the in-betweens like me. He was a connector. We were the spotty dots trying not to collapse the Connect Four and stay in the game. Someone had figured out that you could get the 405 bus from Crawley bus station all the way to Kingston. This was uncharted territory for all of us. I had a vague idea where we were going. I'd been to Kingston a few times, but not even me. Au fait with the buses and trains and a vague sense of geography knew that going from the southeastern tip of the Surrey-Sussex border to the outer southwest suburbs of London on a stop at every blade of grass double-decker was essentially a Tolkien-esque journey across Middle-earth. We were the Fellowship, and at least three of us had a sovereign ring. There must have been a little mob of about 12 gathered at the bus station outside County Mall, Crawley's decadent retail palace. A splinter group quickly formed, including Kells, Gareth, Rich and Vijay, who decided to bunk the train up there via Clapham Junction. It was half term. The risk of getting caught was high. I didn't fancy it. Just getting past the infamous Indian Robocop who guarded the entrance to Platform 1 at Crawley Station was hard enough. He busted more bunkers than a bouncing bomb. It was no surprise that the Laria lads in the group were leading the charge to the station, shoulders swinging, whilst the slightly more sensible ones were taking the bus, Mo leading the charge. So the rest of us boarded the 405, like a bunch of young soldiers heading off to war, in our uniforms of Kappa Trackies, Classics and Giorgio jumpers. The bus driver was this big burly geezer with dark hair and wraparound black sunglasses, looking like Craig Fairbrass. Alright boys, he greeted us like we were men and I liked it but of all the subjects of a don't fuck about on my bus warning. Alright, we replied, paid up and bowled to the back feeling that ounce of mob power quietly surging through us. Ten minutes in, us boys buzzing with banter at the back of the bus, mum jokes and scowling looks from older passengers and we're rolling down the A23 underneath Gatwick South Terminal enjoying the dark tunnel vibes with the yellow lights, a little lift for a local lad. We get out the other side of the sprawling concrete and green of Gatwick, and I clock, this bus is going through Hawley. I'm both annoyed and excited at the same time. No one ever comes to where I live, yet there was no reason for me to have met them at Crawley bus station. I look like a mug. Mo was the only one who'd ever been to my house. We'd been mates since primary school. My family liked him. Even at six years old, he was drawing people into his orbit of coolness. He was also polite and tended to do well at school. I think mum and dad naively hoped some of that would rub off on me. The only thing currently rubbing off was his overuse of Lynx Africa. Maybe they thought hard work and academic competence was transmissible like a virus. In that case, I was very much immune. The bus slowly rolled into Hawley Town Centre. It was my time. The roof figuratively came off the bus. I adjusted my head mic 
and breathed into it to check the levels. One, two, one, two, one, two. Stood up holding my clipboard of all the pride of a museum volunteer giving a tour. Here we have on the left, Oi, is this where you live here, Paul? Uh, yeah, it is. It's a shit old bruv. Oi, it's proper posh here. Look shit. Well shit. Proper shit. Fucking shit. Basically shit. But there's a record shop. Shit. And by the time they'd polished their Lonely Planet entries, we'd passed through the town centre. The tour was over, as was my moment and my pride. I went silent, like Mo, throughout the whole feedback session. The bus slowly trundled on, up through Salfords, past East Surrey Hospital and into Red Hill, my birthplace. Two older women had got on, one of them with an uncanny resemblance, both physically and sonically, to Pat Butcher. They sat together just in front of us, natting away about someone's toe operation. Couple of stops on, this geezer gets on with long dreads and a couple of gold teeth looking like Barrington from Maid Marian. Heads right to us at the back and sits sideways, legs out in the aisle facing right at me. His name was Donovan, Pat Butcher told us. Alright Donovan, fuck off Carol. Barrington didn't even look at Pat Butcher, just looked up at us and grinned, gold tooth glimmering. Pat Butcher turned back to Nat with her Irish accomplice. Looked like she'd just been blanked. Granger cracked up. Barrington turned his attention to us. You're right, boys, yeah. What are you lot saying, yeah? Boy, people chat a lot of shit, boys, know what I mean? Know what I mean? Barrington was nodding his back towards Pat Butcher. At least we think he was. I was trying to keep up with Barrington and simultaneously work out what part of conversational formalities he'd skipped. Yeah, listen, which one of you boys smokes, yeah? Boy, who's got a lighter, yeah? Nah, it's alright, I've got a lighter somewhere. Fuck me, there it is, yeah. Boy, fucking lighters, bro, I'm telling you. Boy, yeah, so what, like, are you boys drinking, yeah? Boy, boy, nah, like, boy, boy, see that bird back there? Bro, she was banging boys, yeah? Boy, trust me, trust me, trust me. Yeah, nah, like, know what I'm saying, yeah? We did. Only too well. Well, all of us except Granger. He was clearly amused by this whole episode. His head was now arched back towards the top of the seat, holding his stomach, convulsing with laughter, holding a pack of Pringles, which were spilling everywhere, mouth open revealing the train tracks and rubber bands in his mouth, with mushy Pringle shards glued to his molars, looking like badly applied polyfiller. He was making me more nervous than Barrington was. Meanwhile, Barrington didn't yet have the answers he wanted from us. He continued. Oi, fucking hell, yeah? Do you know what I mean, boys? Yeah, fuck. People chat shit, I'm telling you. Oi, see that Chloe, yeah? She's a bitch, mate. Know what I mean, yeah? Oi, you boys know what I'm saying, yeah? Proper nut doer and that. Oi, see where you boys going, yeah? I'm telling you, Chloe boys. Oi, like, know what I'm saying, yeah? Oi, he knows what I'm saying, yeah? He knows what I'm saying, innit? Barrington was now pointing at me. All the boys were now pointing at me as well, laughing. This sent Granger over the edge. He just about managed the words. Yeah, that's Chloe right there, mate. Barrington looked at him for a sec then started laughing himself, which made the boys laugh even more. He then looked back at me and laughed. Nah, mate, I'm, I'm Paul. This just provoked Granger more. Nah, he's Chloe, mate. Pat Butcher turned around at this point. Maybe she thought I was Chloe too. Maybe Chloe was the Irish accomplice. Barrington turned back to the boys laughing, gold teeth glimmering. He's Chloe, yeah? Yeah, he's Chloe. He's Chloe, mate. Now they were all chiming in, except for Mo. Barrington turned back to me, still grinning made a gun with his fingers, stopped grinning, and shot me, twice, with the accompanying sound effect coming from his mouth. <laughs> then carried on laughing. Everyone stopped laughing, 
except for Barrington and Granger. But even Granger seemed to ease up on the tone of his laughter. Chloe was wounded. She'd been shot. Yeah, boys, I'm telling you, fuck. Oi, who's got a lighter for me then? Oh, no, I've got a lighter. No, fuck, Chloe, bitch. Oi, fuck this. I'm out of here, yeah? Oi, good to see you again, boys, yeah? With the bus still moving, Barrington stumbled towards the door without even holding on to any of the poles and pressed the button multiple times. Yo, come on, driver. Fucking hell, I'm telling you. Fat Craig Fairbrass broke hard and pulled the bus to an abrupt stop, sending us all into a synchronised jolt. I could see the driver's big burly sunglass face looking through the big rearview mirror. Bit earlier next time, mate. Yo, fuck you, driver. Fucking pussy, you know what I mean? Shut up, bruv, dickhead. Barrington got off and immediately started walking up the road as the bus pulled away. Meanwhile, in the rear view, I could see the driver turning the wheel whilst mouthing something which involved the word fucking multiple times. I looked out the window as the bus pulled off. I could still see him talking to himself, but he was back smoking again, gold tooth glimmering. Pat Butcher turned round to us. He's alright, Donovan. But it'll turn on ya. It'll turn on ya. Mark my words, boys. It'll turn on ya. We were wondering exactly what that turn looked like. Was what we just saw not a turn then? I think we could all agree we were glad Barrington had got off the bus. As for Chloe though, who knew? We must have been approaching the hour mark in our journey. The banter had died down. The group had subdivided into smaller conversations. I was just looking out the window. We passed through Rygate and not even sure where we were. Passing through a part of Surrey that was very leafy and windy with whopping big houses with multiple motors in the drives. The bus had largely emptied out when we started to head back into civilization. It pulled up into a lay-by and fat Craig Fairbrass switched the engine off. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be stopping here for a few moments whilst we wait for a change of driver. Won't be long. Our energy had taken a bit of a dip. The length of the journey had sucked the life out of us a bit, except Granger, who seemed to have an endless supply of Pringles and was still amused by our encounter with Barrington and Pat Butcher. Out the window I could see fat Craig Fairbrass smoking a fag. Mo sidled up to me. You alright mate? Yeah mate. Safe here? Yeah, safe. We never said all that much to each other, but I guess we didn't need to. I heard that hiss sound at the door. Turned around and saw fat Craig Fairbrass manually open the exit doors, flick his cigarette, step aboard and come towards us. So where are you lads heading today then, yeah? Kingston, mate. Oh yeah, good lads. Loads of nice birds there. How old are you lot? Fourteen, mate. Fourteen, good lads. And have you got your fingers wet, yeah? Granger pipes up, of course. Yeah, with his mum. Pointing at Doyle. This made fat Craig Fairbrass smile. Someone's got to, eh? I won't touch it with yours though, mate. Aiming it back at Granger. He then turned to the rest of us, thumb pointing at Granger. He thought he found the pew, but piss came out of it. This made us all laugh, Granger included. He tried to banter back. Yeah, how'd you know, mate? His mum told me, pointing at Tony. We all cracked up. He then turned to Mo. Bet you've had a few, ain't you, mate? Mo looked back, shrugged his shoulders. We giggled a bit. All your lot keep taking all our birds. Even Granger stopped giggling. Fat Craig Fairbrass had a smile on his face. He was the only one. Mo just looked at him. Anyway, you boys have a good time today. Fat Craig Fairbrass looked at Granger, then to Tony. Tell your mum I'll be round later. 
I felt a tension in my shoulders and a tickle in my tummy. It weren't pleasant. I swear I could feel it in most. I don't know. Fat Craig Fairbrass bounded off the bus, lit up another fag, shook hands with this old decrepit looking guy in a white bus driver's shirt just as he got on to replace Craig. The old boy got on and our conversation slowly started up again as if no one knew what to say. Mo seemed unfazed. I was phased though. Why'd that driver come over and talk to us? No one had asked him. I thought like I should say something to Mo but didn't know what. You alright mate? Yeah bruv. Yeah? Yeah. Why wouldn't I be? It's longer time. Yay! Lager Time Poems, Stories and Thoughts By me, Paul Cree Who else?